Ladies and gentlemen, you got Chris Thomas, and you're listening to the Running Back Sports Show. Sports for the Coast. What is going on, everybody? What is going on? And you can listen to us on 98.5 WJYN FM, Uptown Radio Philly.org, and on, on Radio Box on 98.5 FM. That's right. You're only listening to me and only me because my co-hoster cannot be my good old co-host. Jamal Thomas cannot make it here today. Once again, congrats on him for getting a brand new job. You know, once again, we love here talking sports. We love what we do. But sometimes life and other priorities that in regards to bettering our life and our well-beings take priorities more often than not when it comes to the show. When we are one for the culture, that means we're pro-athletes. That means we're also, you know, pro-health as well, pro-life as well in regards to embettering and enriching our lives. That being said, we are we are going to have a really good show today. I might cut it short, short today due to the fact that it's me. But however, it could go longer if we get some really interesting phone calls today. And you can call in on 215-763-9596. We have a lot to dive in today. This we're going to dive talk talk about Super Bowl 57. Uh the potential offseason that is literally right around the corner and already some big moves in regards to the coaching hires. Uh, two big ones, the Philadelphia Eagles lost both their offensive and defense coordinators to the Colts. Offensive coordinator Shane Steichen accepted the job, and defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon accepted the Cardinals coaching jobs, both respectively, as now the Eagles are probably now looking for a new offensive and defensive coordinator to try to once again um, mend the ship and try to value the journey and once again try to make it back to the Super Bowl. And also, we're going to talk about some Sixers, some NBA, some trade deadline news. It's a big day here today, ladies and gentlemen. And once again, you can call in to join the discussion. That number is 215-763-9596. And let's just talk about it. Super Bowl 57 was on Sunday. We're going to talk about it as the Kansas City Chiefs took on the Philadelphia Eagles, both number one seeds in both the AFC and the NFC respectively two of the best two teams in their respective conferences, both 14-3, both tied for the number one scoring offense in all of football. And we also got a really good Rihanna performance at halftime as well. More importantly, also congrats to Rihanna for her pregnancy and child number two on the way. Shout out to her. So let's talk about it. And I know we was on the show last week. We also did an amazing pregame show at Lewis Shoes. I also want to give a shout out to Lewis Shoes again, uh, Lewis Shoes Lounge on 21st on Hunting Park once again for hosting us and the rest of the 98.5 WJY Uptown Radio family here for the Super Bowl preview party. We want to thank you again. We'll hopefully be able to do some more collaborations for the future. But let's talk about the game. And what a game it was. Unfortunately, the Philadelphia Eagles were unable to bring that Lombardi Trophy home for the second time in franchise history as they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs for a score of 38-35. to You hate to see it, but it was an absolute milestone. Um, it was the first time two black coaches, uh, not two black coaches, two black quarterbacks, Went square head-to-head in the Super Bowl matchup. It was two brothers facing off. You know, the Kelsey brothers, they do a really good job in their podcast. But James Kelsey, the Philadelphia Eagles, taking on Travis Kelsey, his brother, the tight end, on the Kansas City Chiefs. And we're going to talk about this game. First half, if you were a Philadelphia Eagles fan, you were riding cloud nine. 
the way that the offense was able to drive up and down the field and the fact that Jalen Hurts was able to dispel any sort of doubt or any sort of criticism at all of making Jalen Hurts drop back and play quarterback, that was all dispelled uh, essentially all that first half throughout the entire game as well. So we see Jalen Hurts drop back, throw some beautiful passes. Uh, one catch was to Devontae Smith, which was eventually called back as an incomplete. Um, he had a beautiful pass against uh, for a touchdown on A.J. Brown, which was a beautiful double-covered moss. And listen, if you're Jalen Hurts, you have nothing to hang your head about. Obviously, I've, obviously Jalen Hurts cares about, you know, getting the job done. You know, when we watch his post-game press conferences, he said that there's still a lot for him to learn. He's still starving for a championship. And even when asked for a con- about, you know, his eventual potential contract extension, he said, I just want to win a championship. It just shows that the kind of mentality that Jalen Hurts is is bringing as the Philadelphia Eagles franchise quarterback and is something as a Jalen Hurts non-believer, it's something that if you didn't believe in Jalen Hurts going into Sunday, then that performance on Sunday, if that didn't bring you in, then nothing will. You're just dislike Jalen for, for just for the sake of disliking him. But what an absolute performance by Jalen Hurts. Um, three rushing touchdowns, which was the most by a quarterback in Super Bowl history, and tie Terrell Davis's record for the most rushing touchdowns in a single Super Bowl. He f- had 374 total yards, 70 yards on the ground, which was the most by any quarterback in Super Bowl history, four total touchdowns. Like I said, three of them was rushing, and the bomb to A.J. Brown. He was 27-38. He had 104 th- in 103.4 passer rating as well. <laughs> Jalen Hurts is the franchise quarterback, ladies and gentlemen. He is going to take a five- to six-year contract extension this offseason. They're going to find a way to make the money for that to happen. Whether if it's going to be a discount deal or not, it doesn't matter. He is going to be your franchise quarterback for the immediate future. And... If there's any doubts that you have, then at this point, there's really nothing more that Jalen Hurts could do to you to convince you. If you have doubts even after that game, then there's nothing at this point that will convince you. The timing, the anticipation of throws. Two things that I kind of more so harped about, you know, Jalen Hurts' production as a passer. It's It came into fruition on this entire season, the way that he, during his MVP campaign and more importantly during the Super Bowl. The moment was never too big for him. He had the mentality of, as soon as I get this ball, I'm driving this ball down the field and I'm getting this touchdown. And that worker's mentality, the way he commanded the huddle, the way that he navigated the pocket, the way the hard running that he was able to do. And one of my favorite plays was the two-point conversion that he did. It was a quarterback power to the left. He got tackled around the two-yard line, nearly got stood up, but he still bulldozed his way in to getting six points on the board. And something, uh, just watching a play like that, if that doesn't get you excited, nothing will. That is a franchise quarterback for me. That is a guy who any any player on the offensive side or the defensive side of the ball is ready to run through a brick wall for you. 
that is a guy that's going to motivate you. That is a guy who's willing to put his body on the line in order for you to win a game. And more importantly, the one thing that I've said about this is that I've never been so proud to be wrong about a player more than Jalen Hurts. He, the, all the talk about him being, you know, a day three quarterback, you know, a really good backup. And honestly, for me, like, he was essentially the way Howard Roseman described him when he originally drafted him out of Oklahoma was an insurance policy for Carson Wentz. So the fact that he was a, essentially a gadget player his rookie year, his first year as a starter, he shown that he has the capabilities of being a long-term starter in the NFL, and now he's proven in his third year as the second year as a starter as a franchise quarterback. The development and the growth and the never-rattled mentality that Jalen Hurts carries carries is infectious, and it makes me want to do absolutely nothing but count down the days until we're back week one of the NFL season and to root for this kid. It makes me want to get a Jalen Hurts jersey. It makes me want to, honestly, in a way, the way he just carries himself and just the stuff he just says about, you know, handling business. Because the thing about players is the way the mentality and, like, some of their quotes and opinions on the way they conduct themselves on the day-to-day, the way they conduct themselves when they're training, when they're learning, when they're watching game film, can apply to life as well. So just watching Jalen Hurts' press conferences saying that, you know, there's always still much to learn, and I had a purpose before any of you had a thing. That is a lot of things that everybody could just learn from in regards to how they conduct themselves in life. You know, everybody's going to have their opinion on you, whether it's positive or negative. The only thing that matters is that you recognize what your purpose is and you just put those blinders on and you just go ahead and you just go go about doing your purpose. And I got to hang my hat to Jalen, Nick Sirianni, and the rest of the Philadelphia Eagles staff, Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie, for a great season. Obviously, it didn't end it the way that we wanted to end, but... For a season that not a lot of fans saw coming, I'm talking about more so the rest of the league. Like, I didn't see the Philadelphia Eagles getting to a Super Bowl this year. I thought they were going to be a playoff team. They were going to win a playoff game. Just probably won, and you just continue to build on that. But going to a Super Bowl and now getting a taste of that, it's going to want, it's going to want this organization to want more and to go back and once again you're listening to 98.5 WJYN the runner basketball show sports for the culture um, and you can call to join the discussion on 215-973-9596 and and more importantly let, uh, I'm just going to switch gears on it and I'm going to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs man it's very rare that you get to see a team that operates on a level like the Kansas City Chiefs lose a top five wide receiver. And you surplus it with guys like Martez Nathalie Scantling, Juju Smith Schuster, drafting Sky Moore, Isaiah Pacheco in the backfield. And not only, you know, Patrick Mahomes gets 
uh, essentially has a much better season than what he did the previous year. He wins the Super Bowl. He wins an MVP. He drags. He gets his team to a Super Bowl and wins a Super Bowl MVP. And he essentially does this all of this on a bad wheel, on a bad ankle. You know, the running, the ability to navigate in the pocket, roll out in the pocket. Like, that second half was the most locked on I've probably seen any quarterback play in Super Bowl history. It kind of, And I think the only other quarterback play that I've seen that kind of mirrors what Mahomes did in terms of surgical in terms of surgery, being surgical, was probably Super Bowl Fifty One when Tom Brady orchestrated that comeback against the Atlanta Falcons. Sorry, Freeman. And when you watch those drives in the second half, Kelsey only had three catches that entire second half. His ability to just keep drives alive with his legs, find a one-on-one matchup, and that offensive line was the number one in pass block win rate. Granted, the field was not up to par, but the Eagles will say that's not an excuse on their play. The fact that you were going up against a defense that was number one in the league of stacks and number one against the pass, be able to drive up and down the field throughout that entire second half with little to no resistance at all. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes uh, being able to orchestrate those drives, Andy Reid being able to make those adjustments and realizing that the Philadelphia Eagles are really bad at adjusting and can't anticipate any sort of motion before the snap, which is Kansas City's bread and butter. And ladies and gentlemen, we're on the verge of another dynasty as we saw the fallout between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick a few years ago. A power vacuum began in the AFC. And among after the smoke cleared and everything else, after everybody talked about, you know, the Bills are coming, which was me, Lamar Jackson winning his MVP. We saw Joe Burrow, you know, take a really bad offensive line that Cincinnati had to a Super Bowl last year, even beating Patrick Mahomes, that this is no doubt now. Um, the AFC is run by the Kansas City Chiefs. The entire NFL is ran by the Chiefs. Brad Veach is probably one of the best general managers in football. Patrick Mahomes is on a throne on his own throughout the entire NFL. And Andy Reid is once again win another Super Bowl and has surplused himself as one of the all-time great coaches. And dare I even say he's probably the second-best coach of all time, probably after Bill Belichick. We're on the verge of a dynasty. The fact that Patrick Mahomes has been in the league in only five years, and they've been to at least an AFC Championship game in all of those years. They've been to three Super Bowls and won two of them. They're not done. They've When they lost to the Super Bowl in Tampa, they prioritized um, getting an offensive line that will protect Patrick Mahomes. And obviously we saw... Um, this season and in the Super Bowl when it mattered the most against the best pass rush in the league, they held their own. And not only they held their own, I, I can't use held their own, they dominated the Eagles' defensive line. Pacheco, Pacheco got some runs. They were able to run the football effectively. Patrick Mahomes had all day to throw. So this was just an amazing job, but a better offense by Kansas City on all phases 
and special teams as well that got them to win the Super Bowl. But I will say this. Patrick Mahomes may be on a league of its own right now if you have to do a tier list. It's Patrick Mahomes in tier one, and then there's everybody else. That being said, Jalen Hurts 100% absolutely belongs in that conversation that in which people talk about Joe Burrow, people talk about Josh Allen, people talk about Lamar. He belongs in that tier too, after, especially after that performance on Sunday. He absolutely belongs in that category after after the season that he had. He had, had put back-to-back seasons in which he got uh, back-to-back seasons after he essentially played nearly the entire season. He had an MVP campaign this year, and he got an opportunity to play in the Super Bowl this year and got a good playoff resume now. He, he 100% belonged in that conversation. But, but man, I got to say, man, this is, it was a fun Super Bowl. It was the third most watched football game, I think, in NFL history. Um, but other than that, it was, it was really great. It was great to see essentially the future of the league um, go out, showcase itself for stage. I think this is not going to be the last time. Mahomes and Jalen Hurts face off. Well, well, if you learn how to look at the schedule now, they're set to play in Arrowhead. Who knows? Maybe that might be the home, the season opener. Kansas City hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. They raised the banner, the week one matchup. I'm just saying, NFL, you know what to do when it comes to these types of games. Just giving you a free one. All right. I'm gonna take a quick commercial. I'm gonna take a quick commercial break and play some of the sounds and the highlights of Super Bowl 57. But not before converting a 12-yard gain to Devontae Smith. Four-man rush. Hurts looking for a block. Gets it. Sneaks around Smith and tiptoes his way in for what should be a first down. Eagles go two tight ends. Hurts to throw it again. Pressure coming. Stands in. Fires and it's caught. It's Dallas Goddard this time making the grab and it's another first down on this opening drive. Hurts looking, throwing another wide open receiver. It's Smith again. Breaks a tackle inside the 15. Boston Scott right up the gut inside the five, and he's taken down there. Eagles can actually get a first down down at the one. Third and three. Handed off. Gainwell surging forward. He's in. Touchdown, Philadelphia. The runner is short of the goal line. It will, however, be a first down. We got a lot of big bodies in there. Take a look how many guys are inside there. Got to go for it. Surging forward is Hurts. No signal yet. There's a penalty flag in the middle of that. Nothing was signal as of right now. 
Offside defense. Lined up in the neutral zone. That penalty will be declined. Result of the play. Touchdown. And so there you go. It is a touchdown. That's why it's so important that they stay on track. Second down. Mahomes firing. It is caught by Kelsey in stride. Travis Kelsey up near midfield. And we got a caller. 98.5 WJYM, right back sports. Good evening, Chris. How are you? I'm doing good, man. How about yourself? Man, I just wanted to say it was a great Super Bowl, guys. Performance you guys had. You know, I'm so, like, I, I, I feel bad that you guys lost because you're my homie, you're my boy. I don't want to see you, you know, suffer in a, in a playoff. You know, I had to, I had to bet, I had to bet on my home. I'm sorry, but it was nothing personal. But I'm, but Jalen Hurts made me, made me a believer, man. Um, that man, if he could win a, a, a Super Bowl MVP without winning, he'd be, he'd be the second person to do it because that's how well he played. He deserved no blame, no criticism. He played. A near perfect game. Yeah, he did. I mean, outside of the yeah, uh, the fumble did kill us. But I agree on yeah, that. Yeah, I've been saying that's the only reason why I would personally say I don't think he outplayed Mahomes because of the turnover that gave up seven points. Like statistically, yeah, but like in terms of like flawless football efficiency, everything else, I would have to say that you know Mahomes played a better game but my real issue was the defense I thought the defense was abysmal like I was not like you guys had no pass rush the secondary either was was giving up like giving up completions or or holding Juju Schuster or just basically like it was a probably the most efficient Mahomes game I've ever seen I know the stats don't look it, but he was 21 for 27, had like two or three throwaways, and was just essentially just moving down the field, the run game. Like, never in my million years would I expect the Kansas City Chiefs to outrun the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. Like, I, I wonder how how did you feel about that? No, um, yeah, I kind of have to agree. Um, but I think also a lot of it also has to do with scheme as well. Um, I think the Chiefs ran a lot more under center while the Eagles were trying to run out of the pistol formation. We run out of pistol formation, the, the running back is already seven to eight yards already behind the line of scrimmage. It takes way longer for you to truly gain momentum, you know, get a ball handoff in the pistol formation. That's why, in my honest opinion, I wish we would have done a lot more under center runs so that way – the our our offensive line, which is our which is the strength of our offense, uh, being able to you know get those blocks in early, some of them be able to get upfield because we're also one of the more athletic offensive lines in football as well, and the running back is able to get momentum, see the uh, use the vision to get up get upfield. But I think scheme wise, I don't think, especially Miles Sanders, because Miles Sanders played absolutely porous. I don't think scheme wise none of these running backs can truly run like this RPO pistol formation that that we that we were game planning. 
Yeah, I was I was just really surprised how they kind of basically they kind of forced Jalen Hurts to use his offhand. I was really surprised that basically Miles Sanders and uh, Gold uh, uh, Kenneth was like basically non-factor. If Jalen Hurts would didn't get to seventy yards, I think you guys. The running backs produced like 40, 45 yards on like 15 carries, something ridiculous like that. Yeah. And like, I guess I was, I guess I was just amazed at like how Kansas City's offensive line just like bullied you guys. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I heard they were the you know number one pass win, like pass, you know, pass win team in the league, but I thought. I thought it was going to be a, like a little more pressure. Like I never, there was no point where I thought Mahomes was going to ever get pressured for real. There was no point where I didn't think the running game was going to be faulted or stopped. And the Chiefs was just able to move. Like I honestly, besides a missed field goal and them giving and them not kicking, not going in for the touchdown, they were basically putting up forty points on this defense. And I thought Sirianni played a very kind of scary second half he was very aggressive you know going for it when he kicked the field goal that was a little bizarre for me I thought that you know I thought he went against what was making him successful which was holding the ball having long possessions being productive and I thought that you know the defense was not making any adjustments um they were getting killed by the jet sweeps and the movements and emotions um and the defense is not, not making any form of adjustments whatsoever. And I thought the offense starts kind of like slow down. The defense wasn't doing anything, and you gave Mahomes six minutes to do what he wanted. And that's kind of it. Yeah. I mean, it just goes to show you, like, those adjustments matter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Andy Reid. Uh, man, I, that, that's got it. That's the levels. Eddie Reed's the best coach in football. Uh, he was able to basically maneuver twenty, like I said, twenty four eleven. Second half, he was basically able to just weather the storm, weather the Jalen Hurst, you know, production, and basically play a flawless second half. And that's how he has two Super Bowl rings. He's able when you have a generational, when you have the third best quarterback of all time. We might as well start the conversation. Mahomes is Mahomes is better than Peyton Manning, uh, and I love Peyton Manning more, and I love I love a lot of things. But Mahomes, it starts with it, it, it's Mahomes, Montana, and Brady, and and we we don't have a conversation for for any anybody lower than that. Yeah, yeah, no, I can. I don't try to get like an all-time talk show because it's granted it has been five years, but Mahomes is racking up the awards. So for me, like, give me like a, a decade of work for me to properly evaluate if you know if quarterback A is better than I, quarterback B. I hear B. what you're saying. I hear, I, I, I believe you. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> I don't need nothing. The man first ballot. <laughs> the man top five quarterback today. Like, he don't need to play a single game for me to believe that. He's won two MVPs, two Super Bowl MVPs. He's been the three titles in four years. He's been the five AFC championship games. He has 75, like, 75, like, 75 career, like, wins and postseason wins. And 
yeah, I mean, you would want the extra years for, like, the longevity and, like, you know, production standpoint, but just of what he's accomplished, he's accomplished more than, like, 95% of Hall of Fame quarterbacks already. I, 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 I got I to gotta tip my cap to the man. Oh, no, definitely. Listen, like, he's, like I said, like, the way he started off his career is you're probably never going to see any quarterback start his career as great as Patrick Mahomes is. And he is a complete tier above anybody else in football. I'm just saying, like, uh, for me, I'm just saying, like, the all-time talks is like, okay, I understand because it's a nice conversation to have. I'm just saying. And it's not like Mahomes has to prove to me more. To me, I like to just wait until, like, there's a little bit more meat on the bones in terms of uh, years played and, like, a little more accolades for me to then do that all-time quarterback talk. Understandable, understandable. So how did you feel about the call? Listen, everybody's getting at me saying, like, "Oh, well, James Bradbury, you know, said that there was uh, said that there was no call." So uh, I held. I'm like, "Listen, people say a lot of things, and that doesn't that doesn't mean I have to agree with it." Remember that commercial where you know that kid was like, "Hey, I touched the ball when it went out of bounds." Yeah, just because you did doesn't mean you say it. So for me, and my, my, my philosophy is always this. If, a, if you're playing to the point where one bad penalty literally costs you the game, you probably have no business winning that game to begin with. So it sucked because Jalen Hurts was playing on a level on, on par with Patrick Mahomes that day. So we didn't really get not a really good opportunity to see what he would have been like to – go down the field, down three points in the Super Bowl. So, but in the end, the the defense should have been, the defense should have gotten at least one stop that entire second half. So. Yeah, I I think that kind of would give you guys more in than the whole holding situation. Like, I've been telling Eagles, I've been telling fans, like, Juju got held on that exact same kind of slant play earlier in the game, and they didn't call it on TJ. He got held twice. I could now. I would. I wouldn't have. I would have kind of been more on people's side if it was one time. But Bradbury held him twice on the same play, and I'm like, all right, now, all right, now, guys, you, you can't hide. The man committed two fouls on the same play, and they, and people try to do the well. The play was uncatchable. That's not how defensive holding works. Defensive holding held impeding the receiver's, you know, route. His route was impeded. Now, it's different than if the play was catchable. We're talking pass interference territory. Pass interference and holding rules are a little different. So the uncatchable aspect doesn't fall into offense. Mahomes could have threw the ball to Beyonce, and it would still classify holding by the letter of the law. I hate that, you know that essentially iced the game, but it's kind of like how I felt about the Bengals game. You committed the foul. If, you, if you're mad about it, don't commit it. Like, that's kind of how you, it's kind of, that's how it is in, like, every sport. Yeah. You know, like, the referees are there for a reason. We give them all the slack in the world, but the, the call is the call. Yeah. I don't. I don't feel like you guys have any.
place to the reason why they use the number three pick. Chris, they go call you off. They go call you from the from the radio from the. There, the Giants are slowly but surely building something over there in New York as well. Um, the team that I probably have to look out for is they're in your division. It's the Detroit Lions. They finish off nine and eight after. Need to be pressed to get one of these guys in the draft. They can eat, they can probably wait until next year for that. Sharks at third wide receiver. Heck, they can go in the draft and draft another tight end to replace Hawkinson. And all Rogers doing this whole dark retreat and him his his uncertainty becoming a melodramatic story this year. And you know, I you know, I, I I think yeah, I think Detroit has a has a positive window. I think Philadelphia has a I think Philadelphia's the cream of the crop. I think San Francisco if they have a quarterback they can compete. Uh Dallas is gonna win twelve games and not go anywhere. And kinda of from there it's what the other divisions do for real, for real. Yeah. Hey Chris, let me ask you a non football question. What's up? How are you going to feel when Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn reunite to take on the Usos at WrestleMania? It's it's going to be great because the one I, yeah you know I look I look I, I wasn't the biggest fan of the Roman storyline either, but when they infused Sami Zayn and, and and the turn at the Royal the turn at the Royal Rumble and. And, and 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 the beat down and and now you got Sammy in Montreal and Roman's gonna lose and it's gonna be just as bad and Roman's gonna win it's just gonna be as toxic as it was the night after he beat Taker I'm just ready for all of this like I like I, I I'm so glad it it, it took they should have turned Roman Reigns heel five years ago but hey we're here now yeah absolutely and listen that. That Royal, that turn at the Royal Rumble was like I'm like listen, Sammy has to be the one to turn because then because if Roman turns then it's not going to have that same impact. Like Sammy has yeah, to. Yeah, and, and the parallels made sense. You know, it's gotten something that Kevin Owens and Sammy have always said. He's like, bro, we've heard all each other. You've been the best friend of my wedding. Like, I can't like kill you. Like, I, I, look, I can be done with you, but I can't be the one to pull the trigger. And you saw, like, like Kevin, like, it, like without even showing, like, Kevin and Sammy kept giving each other these glances. Sammy couldn't do it. Sammy got too deep in the sauce. Then Sammy was like, all right, like, him dead. We don't have to continue this. And Robert, you know, he's just such a gaslighter, and a, just a manipulative, like, partner. Like, you do it. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's just, uh, 
And Bro. him and Cody is going to probably not be the match I want to see, but it's going to be a great story nonetheless. I, I, I just, I, I, I have my qualms in, in ring with both Cody and and, and 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 Roman. I think they're, I think they can be great when they want to be, but I also, they're both of these incarnations. I just feel like it's going to be a very long, drawn out, melodramatic wrestling match as opposed to a solid, straight wrestling match. But we're here. The rest, the WrestleMania card looks optimistic. You know, you got Oscar and Bianca on the rise. You got Charlotte and, and Rhea. We got Roman and and Cody. You're gonna have probably KO and Sammy versus the Usos. You're gonna probably get Seth and and Logan Paul. You're gonna probably get Bobby and Brock at WrestleMania. I hope. Yeah. That's not a bad card. No, it's not. But listen, shout out to Roman. Like he gave me like hit that my favorite soundbite that Romans ever did is that listen, you see, you hear them, they want Jay, but I don't have Jay. You know why? Because of you. And I was talking to Jamal like the day when Kyrie got traded to the Mavs, and I switched that into like what Roman was like, and like I felt like LeBron kind of like pulled a Roman. He was like, you hear that? They want Kyrie, but I don't have Kyrie because of you, Westbrook. <laughs> Like I, 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 I also really want a really strong Gunther match. I need to see, I need to see Walter kill people at at WrestleMania. If he runs it back with Sheamus just to get Sheamus's win, that's fine. It, it, I mean, they they had they had a great match last year, probably the best match in WWE. Um, yeah, I don't know what they're gonna do with Austin Theory. I hope somebody, for the love of God, beats him, but. Yeah, definitely, man. We'll see. Uh, Warren, man, I appreciate the call. Oh, yeah, no problem, man. It's good. Like I said, keep your head up, man. You got, still got Philadelphia uh, 76ers on the ride. Don't remind me. You got, Please you know, don't. You know, you Please, pl- no, 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 don't do that. You Please know, don't remind me. That's like me saying, hey, you still got Chicago. You still got the Chicago Bulls, right? Oh, don't worry. I'm going to call you and vent about my, about my free agency problems in about a couple weeks. <laughs> don't worry. Yeah. R.I.P. Lonzo right, Ball. As always, it was a blessing. Talk All to right. you soon. All right, Warren. Once again, you listen to 98.5 WJYN, the running back sports show, sports for the culture. If you want to call to join the discussion, that number is 215-763-9596. And to break up the Super Bowl news, obviously we still got to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, the Eagles are in now in the market for a new offensive and defensive coordinator. Shane Sykin accepted the job of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, as official this morning, Jonathan Anna actually stayed in Arizona to interview for the new head coaching position for the Arizona Cardinals. Jonathan Anna next up, even though the Philadelphia Eagles tried um, through two finales to try to keep Gannon to stay in Philadelphia. So this is the second time in a row that the Indianapolis Colts has, has hired an Eagles offensive coordinator. Shane Steichen, you will be missed. Um, ever since they decided to switch up the play calling, um, and give you primary play calling. Uh, I believe the Eagles' record was twenty-two and seven when given uh, when when Shane Wright is the head play caller. So the rea- 
So once again, the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be in the market for an offensive and defensive coordinator. Um, and Jonathan Gannon is going to Arizona, which everybody is essentially happy about. I'm kind of happy too, especially after that Super Bowl performance. But let me pose you this. Let me do this because here's the thing: I've been the av- the adamant Jonathan Gannon defender, um, you know, throughout the entire postseason, especially after their last season loss against, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, and obviously, I said this: once John, if once Jonathan Gannon gets the proper talent, the defense is obviously going to, you know, show up on the win column. They had the second most sacks in NFL history in uh, regular season history. They are the first team in franchise history with four guys over 10 or more sacks, and they were number one against the pass defense. Obviously, that did not happen against Kansas City. But everybody is hooting and hollering and celebrating for Jonathan Gannon essentially being left in Arizona. But the one thing I'll say this, I'm kind of indifferent about it. But the one thing I'll say is this. Be careful about, like, who – the reality is that everybody wants somebody to go. And, and then we realize who their replacement is, and then we realize, like, are we that much better off? You know what Jonathan Gannon reminded me of? It reminded me of our previous defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz. We won a Super Bowl with Jim Schwartz, and I need people to remind you that every year after we won – the picket fence, Brendan don't bring defense, the wide nine, the playoff trevor for 10 yards every single time we lost. We need to fire Jim Schwartz. We need to fire Jim Schwartz. He doesn't adjust to the second half. And then when we finally got what we wanted, look what we got. We got Jonathan Gannon, and we still did the exact same thing. And let me remind you, this isn't the 2000s. This isn't the 90s and the 80s where everybody's blitzing 80% of the time. It's Kind of funny that Jonathan Gannon gets a really bad rep here, even though he orchestrated statistically one of the better Eagles defenses in NFL history. Meanwhile, guys like Buddy Ryan and Jim Johnson, God rest his soul. I love Jim Johnson. I love Buddy Ryan. But here's the the reality. Buddy Ryan never won a playoff game as a head coach. His defense was never good enough to win a playoff game here. He is still loved and revered and probably never has to buy a drink in the city because of that. Jim Johnson is probably the greatest defensive coordinator in Philadelphia Eagles franchise history. That defense, more often than not, when we needed it to step up the most, did not travel into the postseason at all. Do we all all remember Super Bowl 39? How many turnovers did we get on Tom Brady? We had Lito Shepard, Sheldon Brown, Brian Dawkins, Derek Burgess, Javon Kurse. We could not stop the Patriots' offense at all. Deion Branch won Super Bowl MVP. A wide receiver three torched our defense. Corey Dillon got into the end zone. We lost 24 to 21. Despite, heck, Jim Johnson's last game here against the Arizona Cardinals. We lost 32 to 25. They gave up 24 points in the first half. They did not adjust to stop Larry Fitzgerald at all. No one ever complains about Jim Johnson and his postseason shortcomings. No one ever complains about Buddy Ryan and his postseason shortcomings. But, hey, we got rid of Jim Schwartz, and we got rid of Jonathan Gannon. So, better days are ahead of us. And people talk about in-house hiring. They want to make the defensive bass coach. I'm like, you mean the same defensive bass coach that did not know what to do in regards to stop the motion at all? And granted, I'll say this. Maybe it has to do with the fact that 
There's only so much defensive ass can do because it has to align itself to Jonathan Gannon's system. But in the end, hopefully the next coordinator realizes that there's really nothing really much you need to do in regards to the pass rush. Just when you have Slay, Bradbury, and Avante Maddox, three of the best man-on-man corners in the league, maybe you should primarily play man instead of zone all the time. Just my food, just my food of thought. But anyway, I'm always happy for anybody getting a promotion. Um, hopefully, this will present the door for a new defensive philosophy because the talent is there. I mean, we still have a lot of pending for agents, especially on the defensive line. Fletch, I don't think Fletcher and Brandon Graham will be back. I don't think Bradbury will be back. Kazir White and TJ Edwards are also free agents as well. But I'll say this. We do have a lot more young talent than we probably did like after the Super after we initially won a Super Bowl year. We had something to build on, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So and we had two first round picks and how he's a cap wizard. So hopefully we are able to orchestrate maybe getting ourselves a a new offensive a new right tackle so we'll be able to so he'll be able to learn and develop under Lane Johnson the same way Cam Jurgens is learning and developing under Travis Jason Kelsey. Hello, ninety-eight point five WJYM Running Back Sports. Hello, this is Ratasha calling. Hello, uh, hello, Ratasha. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Just talking about uh, the twenty-plus pending free agents the Philadelphia Eagles have. So, any thoughts? I'm happy he's gone. Who, Jonathan Gannon? Yep. <laughs> I'm one of his haters, as you know. Um, I just wish he would have just tried. Like, not saying they didn't try, but, like, switched it up, adjusted put it all out there and I just felt like he didn't do that. Well listen in, I don't know. Well listen, in the end players still have to go out and execute. So and obviously the field didn't help at all, but like nobody nobody on off nobody in the defense should be proud of their performance on Sunday. Including the coaching staff. I'll agree on that. I mean you do have a point about the risk because we don't know who's coming in. And it's kind of concerning with both of the coordinators leaving at the same time because I feel like that's kind of like a step back, even though the Eagles have a lot of talent. But um, I'm glad he's gone. I'm sorry. You know I've been a hater (laughs) of his the whole season. Uh Even though you have – very good point you know we just silly fans can't be satisfied so that's all i can talk it up to yeah uh but listen everybody was saying the same thing about you know jim schwartz he helped win a super bowl you know the off defense came with four or five hundred yards and every single one of them was like we want jim schwartz going we want jim schwartz going after every single loss trust me i was one of those people i was one of those irrational people then when he decided to step down, guess who we got? The person that we're happy that is leaving now. 
It's like a never. Ah, ending, it's like a never ending cycle. It's like we'll never be satisfied unless they're blitzing eighty percent of the time, like Buddy Ryan and Jim Johnson. It's like unless your name is Johnny, Buddy Ryan and Jim Johnson, we'll never be happy about what the defense is. I actually like it, Jim Schwartz. Oh, I know. Terrible. But um, I'm I'm so proud of the Eagles. Like I was hurt. I did not finish it. I shut it down. So I didn't know that they had attempted a hail mary. Um, but I. I'm so proud of them. I don't even think I expected them to do as well as they have um, this season. I didn't expect Jalen to be the growth that he has done. It's just a very unique story. And I really think that he, even though he lost, he became a legend in that moment. Like, it was kind of like a statement. Super, I'm a superstar two games for him. Um, and the future is bright. So perhaps we might get two good coordinators that want to come and work with all this talent that's in the best GM in the NFL. We'll yep. see. Yep. Listen, there, there are plenty more positives uh, to take away, even from this loss, as opposed to uh, win. Uh, us winning at all because you can't tell me like what young players we had to work with after our 2017 win. It was like an all or nothing kind of thing. Like, but with the Eagles now, it's like Jalen Hurts is 24, AJ Brown's 25. We still got Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, Jordan Mulata, uh, Land- Lander Dickerson, uh, Cam Jurgens, our rookie t- rookie center going into his second year, who who had all year to learn under uh, Kelsey, who may or may not come back. And even on the defense, Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, Jordan Davis, Avante Maddox, I really want them to make sure they prioritize Garner Johnson and him coming back because he's just too yeah. young and too talented for you to leave that to leave that door. So there are lo- there's a lot more positives. And not to mention, we have two first-round picks. So exactly. there's a lot exactly. to build on um, even with after this loss. And with the way that the NFC is, I can't see a reason why we can't go back. I already told a few people at work um, um, that I feel like that we're going back and I feel like we're going to meet the Bengals when we do. Because you got to think, both of our teams lost in the same similar fashion. Last-minute mistake. Because at the end, that's what it was, a mistake. To say it cost a game, you can't say that, which you had said earlier. But that has to leave a bad taste in your mouth. And you're seeing how they're kind of acting. And it's like, if I didn't make that decision, it would have been me type of thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I really feel like refs should not make major calls like that in the last two minutes of the game. But... It is what it is. Um, um, I just feel like everybody should be happy, should not even be mad, should not be embarrassed about the Eagles. We are legit, and that's pretty much all I got. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh And uh listen, any hot takes for the off season b- before I let you go? I'm I'm sorry, what did you say? Any hot takes before I let have to let you go? Any hot takes or predictions? Predictions? Yes, for, for the next season. Yes. What do you think the record's going to be? Or no, or what do you want to happen for the Eagles this off season? Oh, for next year? Yes. Uh, uh just to build on what uh they already have and I really think the defense is need to be addressed more than the offense. Um, and also, it also depends on Kelsey, Kels, if Kels decides to retire or not. Um, I don't know. I feel like he is, this, this was it. I hope he comes back one more year, though. But um, I just think they need to focus on – the middle field. I, I'm not as strong as the technical things about football, but I feel like they get exposed in that area a lot, so they should kind of have a scheme to better fit the talent that they have. Um, All right. Well said. Um, Natasha, once again, thank you for taking the time to call on the show we appreciate it you're welcome back anytime okay all right take it easy bye 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 and once again you're listening to 98.5 wjynd running back sports show sports for the culture if you want to call to join the discussion that number is 215-763-9596 and don't mind me. And actually, good news. Uh, my guy, Jeff Bowers from the Sports Narrative, is calling at the top of the hour, 7 o'clock hour. And don't mind me. I'm doing a little mock draft for the first three rounds for the Philadelphia Eagles. And oh, my goodness gracious. Jordan Battle from Alabama fell all the way to the 94th pick. Yes, give me him. And I'll tell you, uh, this is actually a pretty good mock draft that I actually, you know, cooked up. With the 10th pick, I got Denim. Devin Witherspoon, cornerback uh, from Illinois. The 30th pick, I got Isaiah Forzi, uh, captain and uh, edge rush captain of the Senior Bowl, and uh, edge rusher from Notre Dame. Then I got Tule Tule, uh, defensive lineman from USC, and Jordan Battle from Alabama. Hey, man, it's actually not – oof, this is – this is a definitely way to uh, run it back in regards to your defense. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. Let me let me try this again. I actually like doing mock drafts because that's all it is. It's mock drafts. There's nothing to it. It's just fun. It it's just a good way to kill some time. And but like I said, I'm not gonna be excited about Jonathan Gannon's apartment until I realize who we're gonna replace him with. Um, but. Shane Sykden is a significant loss. Uh, he definitely had a hand into the development of Jalen Hurts and his MVP campaign. 
Uh, I don't know if Nick will resume head coaching, play call duties. I don't know if they promote quarterback coach Brian Johnson to now the offensive coordinator. Uh, who knows? I, I don't know. But I do, like I said, the Philadelphia Eagles right now have a lot to build on to to make sure that they contend and go out and compete for a title um, even next season. You have plenty of young talent. Uh, you have two first-round picks. You have plenty to build on. And when you got a guy like Harry Roseman calling the shots, and now you have the confidence now, and suppose and when I confidence, I mean Eagles fans, the confidence to now Harry to essentially do the right thing and build on to build during the draft. It kind of makes your job. Kind of makes you know putting the faith in the Philadelphia Eagles a lot more easily than any other team in the city. And but now we get to deal with another month and a half. Uh, Sixer basketball, the All-Star break is coming, I believe, this coming weekend. And then after the month and a half, uh, the Phillies uh, do open for the regular season. And they are trying to, once again, do a campaign to now get back to the World Series. Unfortunately, Bryce Harper will more than likely miss the first half of the, reg- uh, the regular season with after getting a UCL uh, surgically repaired, and more likely just be on the DH. But I love the addition of Trey Turner. I do think the bullpen pieces that we have now, I think now after, you know, enduring themselves in a World Series and some having the highest of highs um, and some enduring the lowest of lows, like fortunately Sir Anthony Dominguez, Jose Alvarado, I think because of that, I think they'll be better. But I'm really excited for Trey, Schwart- uh, Trey Turner. The Trey Turner edition was was absolutely great. To, was great to see. I'm really excited to see Kyle Schwerber, uh, you know, try to orchestrate and to get back in the World Series. Because I feel like if the Phillies would have came back and win, that's who the World Series MVPs go to. Because Kyle Schwerber was absolutely raking it that entire that entire series. And we'll see how Aaron Nola bounces back because this is the contract year for him. Second, all MLB on pitching, on pitching, but the fact that people are like, "Oh no, don't extend him at all," I'm like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, "God, none of you guys are GMs." We're talking about one of the best top ten pitchers in all the baseball, and you're talking about not extending him. This is why we can't have nice things. Just can't. But better days are. <laughs> the better days are coming. Uh, still got six or bass. Still got six or basketball. Uh, the NFL draft is in two months. Free agency starts next month. Phillies baseball starts in April. Uh, then the regular season starts in six months, and you still got the Flyers if you still have nothing to do. <laughs> oh man! So once again, you're listening to ninety-eight point five WJYND Running Back Sports Show, Sports for the Culture. If you want to call to join the discussion. That number is 215-763-9596. And now we're just waiting for my guy um, Jeff Bowers from the Sports Center to the call. He did say we'll call at the top of the hour. In the meantime, I'm going to do another mock draft. So let's see who last oh, we got Devin Witherspoon. Let's see if anything changes in this order. All right. Well, Anderson will 
It's just like Will Anderson will universally be the number one overall person taken if Chicago can't find a trade partner. Let's see. All right. All right. And I believe that's Jeff. Hey, Jeff. How's it going, man? Hey, what's up, y'all? Hey, no, it's just me today, man. It looks like it's just me and you. Oh, that's cool. That's cool, yeah. Uh, got me out uh, working, doing a little Valentine's Day action. Apparently, uh, your Eagles need to get on Tinder and go find you some coaches, huh? <laughs> yeah, we do. Also, like to answer your question, I'm glad I saved my money and I didn't make that trip to Glendale. Yeah, yeah, it's a little tough. Uh, so, so okay, the hometown call. What's what's the uh, what's the deal on the uh, the holding call? Do you think that's legit? Do you think that was uh, you know was that bogus? Was that scripted? What's the deal there? I do feel like in the end, if your season comes down to a holding call, yet probably had no business winning that game anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know that it would have made that much difference. I think, you know, second half, man, they, the, 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 I mean, they just, you got flat out coached. Yeah. And, you know, Agreed. Andy Reid figured out some stuff. And obviously that little, little spin back move for both the, the uh, touchdowns, man, uh, I mean, you gave it a hell of a run. And, I mean, look, the future's bright, man. That's, we turn the page, you look ahead to the to draft picks, and you say, man, this thing ain't over. So, uh, yeah, I mean, not by a long shot. It, yeah, it, it sucks. But, man, I think it's uh, in, the, in the end, I think it's going to be all right. So, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, but yeah, so, like I was telling people, I'm like, listen, we lost both our offenses and defensive coordinators today. Uh, a lot more people were more sentimental to Stikton. Everybody was kind of celebrating on Twitter that we lost Jonathan Gannon. I mean, but. I'm like I said. I just warned him. I'm like, be careful what you wish for because the the person, like the last person that was here, Jim Schwartz, you couldn't wait for him to go away, and then now the person that you kind of wanted Jim Schwartz to get rid of Jim Schwartz is the person you're now celebrating. You're getting rid of. Uh, you broke up just a little bit there, but look, Andy, you know, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> uh, what was that? Listen, I'll, look, the people celebrating Jonathan Gannon um, leaving. I'm like, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no doubt. I mean, you know, one of the things about it is, you know, especially in the modern NFL, you know, it's being able to keep those dynasties together and, and being able to keep a, a keep a team like that together. You know, what we've seen teams that have stayed good, right? With you know, with what the Patriots and being able to through coaches and they had such a great pipeline of those young coaches coming up. You know, they were getting guys out of nowhere, you know, all the way back to Eric Mangini to Matt Patricia, and they were good in that system. Now, they go everywhere else and they're garbage, right? But under Belichick, you learn to do it, and, and they had that, that turn of just of talent that just comes up, right? Now, the problem is, is now Belichick's gotten older. Now that pipeline seems to have dried up, and they keep going back to the old well trying to make it work. Dude, the Cowboys did that. That didn't work, right? Yeah. When after Jimmy left, you know, you, you kept trying to go back to that well, and it just wasn't there, right? So, so you got to have that pipeline. you got to have that, that, that ability to keep it going. And, and you even look at a team like San Francisco, uh, you know, that, that just keeps pulling out this young talent and just keeps churning these guys that just, you know, come up and, and can play and are great. And so that's the thing I think that – is going to, you know, we're really going to see how good of a coach Nick Sirianni really is 
as he now has to to fill these ranks to keep those people on board. And, you know, not only that, but also realizing that it's, uh, you know, as the system changes and then the next, you know, then the next generation comes along. And, dude, if you guys are good again and you're right back there sitting in a Super Bowl in Vegas and you and I are sitting side by side watching the uh, Jets and Eagles play in the Super Bowl, man, <laughs> it's you got to get to know that, like, then those coaches get poached too. And it and and the cycle turns right. So, uh, I mean, like I said, it's it's fascinating, man. This off season is going to be wild. With, you know, I mean, you guys have really a ton of big free agents. A lot of questions to to answer. Uh, you know, with between Miles Sanders and and Bradbury, and you know, well, how much do you fill in with the draft and all that? But, man, like I said, the future's bright for you guys. And then obviously this quarterback carousel we've already talked about before. It is going to be nuts, and obviously the first domino dropped today with Derek Carr getting released. Yeah, and uh, speaking of speaking of the Jets, like obviously Derek Carr gets released. Uh, the Ravens are talking about they have no problem getting traded Lamar Jackson for the right price. So uh, for uh, for you being a Jets fan, so like what's on your wish list? So basically, the the edict that's come down from Woody Johnson is is one of those that's going to be look. You got to get a big name guy, and I think the game plan is is one of up front. First things first, we're chasing Aaron Rodgers, right? They want Rodgers. It kind of works perfectly. Maybe if there's any way you're ever going to salvage Zach Wilson, that's the way to do it. You bring this dude in. He plays for two years. He retires. You send him a big fat check, and you send him on his way, and hopefully he gets a ring on your finger, right? Like that's that's the goal. He gets to do what Brett Favre couldn't quite finish the job on. So. Uh, I think that, that's, uh, that's plan A. Plan B is, hey, dude, the Ravens are a long way from Lamar, right? Now, do I think something's going to happen there? No, I don't. I don't think he's going to get away. However, um, I think there are teams lurking. I think the Falcons are lurking. I think, uh, you know, and, and their picks. I, I think there's several teams that are, that are sitting there in the mix waiting to see if that dude shakes loose. Now, the hiring of Todd Monken today at OC, I love that hire for the Ravens. I love that hire for Lamar. And, man, I think that thing could work out for him. But um, I think that's your plan B, and I think that's plan B for a lot of teams. You know, that's, that's one of those that you're going to watch. Because I mean, we saw last offseason with the, with the wide receivers. You know, you guys got A.J. Brown out of nowhere. Tyree Kills out of nowhere, right? So, so things like that can happen. So I, I think that's plan B. And then for the Jets, I know plan C is Ryan Tannehill. That, that seems to be by all accounts. Now, if you get all the way to Ryan Tannehill, are you happy? Absolutely not. But it's functional. It's fine. You know, at that point, though, the, the hot seat goes right on to, you know, Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, the GM and the head coach. And I guarantee you Woody Johnson's going to hold them accountable and say, look, I gave you the mandate to go get it done you didn't get it done, uh, you're gone, right? Mm-hmm. And no, no amount of drafting the two best rookies in this year and all of that stuff can make up for the fact that you missed on a quarterback. And, and that's just how it goes in the NFL. You've got to hit on the quarterback. And, and um, you know, I, I, as you guys know, like, you've got the, the big GM, you've got the big owner, too, that when the mandate comes down, man, you've got you to gotta answer to the man. And, and that's, that's exactly where I think the Jets are. Ultimately, I think Rodgers comes out of his crazy uh, quiet place 
retirement thing that he's doing right now. Uh, I think he comes Dark, back. Darkness retreat. That's yes, cool. the darkness retreat. Uh, dude, that guy's weird. But um, <laughs> ultimately, I think that dude comes out. I think he says he wants to go to someplace better. I don't think he wants to finish with the Packers. Uh, I think the Packers are pretty well done with him saying, hey, we'll do whatever you want, bro. And, you know, I think the Nathaniel Hackett thing might actually finally pay off. So, um, you know, I, that's what I think will happen. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that to be true, but I think that ultimately I think you'll see Aaron Rodgers don the uh, Jets number 12 like Joe Namath and see if they can go win this whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, but I'll say this to Ryan Tannehill. If that is your plan C, I'll say this. He'll have a lot more uh, surrounding him offensively than what he ever had in Tennessee, especially on the oh, wide yeah. receivers. Because Tannehill probably had the worst wide receiver recruit uh, in the NFL last year, not named Chicago, with Justin Fields. Oh, yeah. But, oh, you, yeah, don't no want, but you don't want it to get to plan C. So, so I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, like the Jets, obviously you're getting Brees Hall back. You're getting, you know, you're getting some of those pieces back. Uh, you're going to be able to add to it in this year's draft. I think, uh, I think you're going to see the Jets probably also cut Corey Davis and add Alan Lazard um, to that mix as well. I think, and they may even add a little bit more receivers. So, yeah, I think, dude, I think this thing is, it's in really good shape. Um, it has a chance to, to be relatively special. Um, I mean, and saying that as a Jets fan is pretty wild, but uh, I, I think this thing has a chance to really take a step forward and, and, and get competitive because, you know, it's, it's funny. The, the big narrative now is the Chiefs just turn, you know, just did their heel turn, you know. Like everybody rooted for him before because it's Pat Mahomes and all that, but I think people are going to start rooting against him. I think that he's going to get that Brady moniker where, you know, they don't want him to win anymore. Like, okay, that's enough of that, right? And, um, and if that happens, you start looking around the rest of the AFC and who's going to step into that mix, you know? I, I mean, uh, I, I think that could be a lot of fun, and, and that AFC will be fun. But, man, you look at the NFC, man, that's wide open. I mean, depending on where Carr lands, which I think he's going to land somewhere in the NFC South. I just don't know which team yet. I my my gut says Tampa Bay, uh, but if I if I was a betting man, but you know Carolina's pretty intriguing as well, and you know I I, I think there's a lot of interesting a lot of interesting uh, places where he could land and make a real difference. Obviously the Saints as well. Um, yeah, I think Jimmy G ends up out there in in Las Vegas, and you know at, at some point somebody's going to end up at the table. You know the the. When, when the music stops, somebody's going to end up without a chair. And I think that's the team that you're going to see go starting to trade up to maybe the number one pick with the Bears and, and start making some real noise in this draft. And that's when draft season hits us, my friend, and that's going to be a blast. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of the draft, uh, did you get an opportunity? I know you weren't down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl, but did you get an opportunity to uh, watch like any of the practices? Oh, yeah, yeah. And in fact, I was about to ask you how Mobile was. I'm I, I assume the food was nice, and uh, I heard the parade was pretty cool, so that's always fun. Yeah. Um, the From what I've gathered, you know, I mean, I, I think this year's – this happens – it's happened in other years, too, where, 
you know, it's just so disappointing with the the quarterback play that yeah. it's really hard to evaluate certain players, especially in the game, but uh, just kind of everywhere because, you know, the quarterback play is just not there. You know, I mean, you didn't have any of the big-time quarterbacks. I think Will Levis made a huge mistake not showing up down there. But that being said, um, I think that, uh, dude, I love those that running back out of Tulane. Oh, Tajay uh, Spears. Yeah, I think I think that dude had definitely made himself some money, got himself in a mid uh, mid uh, tier draft. Um, I think that there was some of the offensive linemen. Dude, I love Cody Mock. I actually went to the uh, North Dakota State and South Dakota State championship game and got to see him in person. And man, that dude is is all of it. Now, can he transition all the way to center? I don't know. I think guard's probably his best spot, and then he can be kind of a a guy who can swing tackle for you if you need. Oh, man, that's perfect. Uh, He's going to make a great Philadelphia can... Eagle. There you go. That'd be perfect. Exactly. I was say, you guys are you guys make a killing doing that kind of thing. So Yeah, um, we're in the market for a right tackle because Isaac Samalu is, is a free agent, and then he's probably not going to be coming oh, back. Yeah. Yeah, and, and obviously Lane Johnson getting up there in, in years and, and all of that. Yeah, I think. And, dude, the, the kid Darnell Wright um, – out of Tennessee is just a monster, and I, and I think, you know, needs a little bit of refinement. But, man, that dude, I mean, he's a monster. Obviously, Daywan Jones, who ghosted, he's like, measure me and I'm out, right? Yeah. But, uh, but hey, when you got those kinds of arms, like, dude, you can do that. You know, it's funny. I heard a lot of people making hay about that, and I guess he didn't actually text them to tell them, hey, I'm leaving, which is weird. But, um, you know. I mean, Jermaine Johnson last year, he was there at the Senior Bowl with us. Yeah. He goes out there, absolutely kills it on day one of the draft. He goes, yep, I'm good. And he was. <laughs> like, <first laughs> oh, yeah. Pick, yeah, that day one, well, yeah, so. that day one Jones story, like, down in Mobile was actually kind of funny. It's actually kind of funny. Because, like, yeah, man. he was supposed to wild. be, like, at the day two, like, media breakfast. And, like, and, like he had, like, a podium set up for, like, everybody to ask some questions. But he didn't show up. <laughs> wow. Uh, but uh, he was there on the third day. He just wasn't practicing. He didn't play the game. I think some. I think maybe the 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 buzz was like, "Hey, listen, you're going to be a, a top sixty three pick. You're 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 solidified. You don't got to play." Yeah, man. It's it, it's it's just crazy that like, you know, these kids. I mean, and they're kids, right? I mean, dude, we were doing hood rat stuff when we were tw- in our twenties. So, like, it's, it's crazy that these kids are, you know, being so scrutinized for, for making these choices and doing this kind of thing, right? But, but at the end of the day, you're about to hand this kid millions of dollars, right? You're about to put your franchise and your job and your reputation on the line, giving this money to these children, right? And so, yeah, it does matter what they do. It does matter that Stetson Bennett does, did what he did, right? Like, that does matter, especially when you're built like a kicker. Um, you know, so yeah, man, it's it's just wild how th- this whole draft process that we start analyzing and overanalyzing, and and I will say this year is one of the few years I am I have gotten all of my stuff. I'm about about 100 to 150 prospects in, and I'm really starting to lock it in, right? Yeah. Because what happened last year is we all got kind of talked into certain things, and I feel like. As the process went along, it changed and it morphed, and, and you started hearing pub from this guy and this guy and this guy, and it was media narrative. But the GMs had already made up all their minds, yeah. right? They already knew. Like, they have their board set. 
And so the day when I hear these teams start saying, okay, board is set, we're good, from that point on, I don't touch my board anymore. <laughs> because at that point, everything else is smoke. Everything else is, is uh, coming from the agents, quite honestly. Yeah. It's media narrative. It's, it's, hey, this is interesting. Hey, this guy's cool, right? And, and that's when I think we get lost as draft people yeah. and as the public and how we end up super shocked when this guy didn't get drafted or this guy did or whatever. Like, I, I feel like there's a, a, a place in here where you just put a foot in the ground and you say, I'm locked in. This is what I believe. This is what I've scouted. This is what I've done. And, you know, and, and, and just ride with it. Because that's how the league does it, right? And, and I think that that's definitely going to be my, uh, my tack this year. And uh, like I said, you guys can all follow me on uh, Sports Narrative, uh, at Sports Narrative on Twitter, and we'll uh, be putting out some of that info for you guys as we get closer. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, uh, you're going to ask me, I think the one person that definitely shot up on my boards and kind of took advantage like during that entire week of Mobile Senior Bowl because I don't think this is a really good, strong linebacker class. But uh, Deion Henley from Washington State definitely impressed me, especially in the uh, in the uh, passing drills. So I think yes, sir, yes, he's a coverage linebacker through and through. And you know, it's funny this year's draft. You're right. There's not like a big name dude. My favorite linebacker right now, and I'm praying that he is there at 43 for the Jets, or maybe even 74 if I cross my fingers and all my toes, is Jack Campbell out of Iowa. Ooh. Dude, that guy is going to be a monster linebacker for the next you know, 10 years. Yeah. But um, you're right. There's not that big name, big time dude. You've got some size speed guys uh, like Papo out of uh, Auburn, like uh, obviously Trent Simpson. You've got, but, and, and Drew Sanders out of Arkansas. They're size speed guys, but man, the instincts aren't there, you know? And then you've got these little guys, uh, the kid out of Tulane. And uh, like you said, your guy out of Washington State, uh, Overshone out of Texas. Cover line, coverage linebackers, you know, they're all like 230. They're all basically glorified safeties. Um, you know, it's, it's become such an important position. I mean, you guys saw it this year with Kazir White. Like, how much of a difference did that dude, get, did that dude make for your defense? I mean, you know, having that speed linebacker that can, that, you know, in a pinch can actually cover a, a, a slot wide receiver if necessary. Like, dude, that's killer. So, um that position has become so much more valued. I think there's a ton of dudes like that in this draft that are going to be, you know, day two, day three guys that are going to get snapped up really quickly. But, but you're right. I, you know, the, the, if you're in the market for a absolutely, I need a guy, number one linebacker, two dude in the middle of my defense, this is not the draft for you. Um, but this draft, man, it's got – uh, dude, how many centers are in this draft? Like, it's insane. I've never seen this many centers in a draft. You know, there's Schmitz out of Minnesota. There's the Avila kid out of TCU. Uh, obviously, we talked about Cody Mock might even be able to play. Jared Patterson like, from Notre Dame. Yeah, the Notre Dame kid. There's uh, Which, I mean, I think he'll end up being a guard. I don't think he has the size for it. Uh, dude, I absolutely love Pittman out of Wisconsin. Like, that guy is a baller. Um, so... Dude, it's, it's, it's crazy that uh, a draft that usually, you know, the center position usually wandering in the wilderness for it. Man, this draft is chock full of centers, so that's great. Uh, quite a few tackles that I think kind of tweener tackles. Uh, I know Bergeron did quite well out of Syracuse down there. Um, 
you know, Georgia's got like four guys in this draft. <laughs> Just wild ass. You know, they got guys that didn't even start for him playing. Um, yeah, there's uh, there's a ton of great, uh, like you said, the, the tackles. This draft is weak at wide receiver. You've got speed guys, but there is no, like, big horse, right? I mean, Quentin Johnson's the closest you're going to get, and, and I'm, I'm not totally sold on him. I like Addison. He reminds me a lot of Garrett Wilson. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's kind of a number two guy, I think. Uh, I don't think he's quite the number one that, that Garrett Wilson's turning into. Um, but, yeah, there, you got a bunch of little speedball guys, you know, Jalen Hyatt and that type. But, yeah, wide receiver's weak. Um, I think, obviously, linebacker's super weak. The big-time left tackle is super weak. Um, but, man, there's some of these positions, you know, I mean, running back, super deep. Um, Guard center, like I said, deeper than I've seen in a very long time. Defensive tackle, killer. Uh, dude, I love Maisie Smith out of Michigan. I love Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin. Like, there are some big, beefy dudes. And obviously, you guys might be in the market for that as well if you let Hargrave walk. So, um, yeah, I mean, this draft is going to be wild because this draft is about the trenches. Uh, it's not about the big-name outside guys. It's about trench warfare and the running game. And, you know, the league has kind of gone to that. I mean, you, obviously you guys killed it this year with, you know, leading the world in sacks and, and uh, the running game. And, and I think that's what you're seeing the NFL go to is defenses got smaller to counteract the, the passing attack. You started to see the running game, running game come back alive, and I love it. I am here for it. I give the ball to Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen on Tecmo Bowl, and let's go, man. I'm ready. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're about to see a Howie Roseman masterclass in uh, cornerback and uh, trench warfare this draft. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Corner. I think that's a, a big spot for you guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's God. There's probably I probably have like five first round corners right now. You know, I love Joey Porter Jr. I love um, uh, obviously Witherspoon. Christian Gonzalez is a killer pick. Uh, let me ask you this. Here's a good question for you. If you're on the clock and B. John Robinson's there, you think about it? Um, I'll think about it, but I'm. But what I want and what Howie wants is probably completely different. If there is a possibility in which Jalen Carter kind of falls out of that top five, I could see him moving up to go get Jalen Carter and reunite him and Jordan. Top- Reuniting him and Jordan Davis. That's very possible. Yes. Uh, because I think, uh, you know, the, the, the book on Jalen Carter is, man, the dude disappears sometimes. Like, the motor's not as high. And, and when you get into some of these coaches, I mean, obviously, the talent level's extreme. And, and when, when he's motivated, dude, the guy's unstoppable. But you've got to have a coach that can motivate him. Now, you get the right coach, obviously, you know, uh, the Bears are going to think about it at one. The Cardinals are going to think about it at three. And, and, you know, depending on what they're doing out in Arizona, which seems like a disaster right now. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I don't think he'll slide that far. But I could see it. You know, if, if his interviews don't go well and this type of thing, I, I could see it. You know, I love uh, the, the kid out of, out of Texas Tech, long and, and, and you know, the, the edge rusher, long and, and – uh, Got that speed. He's oh, real Tyree Wilson. Still. What's that? Tyree Wilson. Yeah, yeah. 
um, you know, I, I love him up high. I like, um, you know, Miles Murphy I worry about a little. Um, just it never really popped to me. You know, I, I mean, I saw it. I could see how it's good, but, man, it's just not great. Um, you know, I feel the same way about Breesy out of Clemson, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, the other Clemson guy, the defensive tackle, like, they're okay, but I could see those guys slide a little bit yeah. uh, and get down the board a little bit. I tell you what, I guarantee you, I think somebody will take B. John Robinson in the top ten, especially in this draft. Yeah. And I'm obviously looking at Detroit first off, but I think somebody's going to take a, take a run at B. John early, and so I don't think it'll even be a consideration for you. But if you go cornerback with that second pick, because there are a ton of them in this draft, you know, you look at that early pick for the Eagles, man, I mean, the, the world's your oyster. You could go you could go D-line. You could go, obviously, with the edge rusher, which couldn't hurt. Um, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a whole lot of options there for you, and I think that's going to be really fascinating. You know, the other thing I was during the Super Bowl is, quite honestly, you guys need another receiver. Like, we, we do. like Devontae Smith are killer, but you need one more dude. You could take Devontae Smith and put him in the slot some more, or A.J. Brown and put him in the slot some more. You can get you another outside guy. Man, I think that would be, I think that would be awesome, and, and that would be something that, like I said, you could, you could consider that either up high or maybe with that lower pick, you know, if uh, Smith and Jigba's down there, if Jalen Hyatt's down there, and, and, you know, you take care of business up front. You got Christian Gonzalez at the first pick to, to fill the cornerback spot. Man, I wouldn't be mad at you. That's for sure. Yeah, I think the two guys I like, like midway through the draft, is probably uh, Nathaniel Dell from Houston and uh, Xavier Hutchinson uh, from Iowa State. Also, those yes, are like my yes. uh, th- that's like my senior bowl crushes right there. There's some guys, you know, the the thing about um, some of those guys in the middle of this draft, I worry about how well they're going to adapt to the NFL game. You know, I, I think. They're going to be a slower burn, and I, I think you're really going to see it. You know, we've gotten spoiled these last couple of years with these rookie corner, uh, rookie wide receivers, you know, lighting the world on fire with Olave and, and Garrett Wilson and even Drake London a little bit after he got, you know, back from the injury and all of that. So, um, but I think that that's going to be the that's going to be the rarity, not the norm. Yeah. You know, I think what you're going to have is a bunch of guys that are. Uh, um, you're good. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but I think you're going to have a bunch of guys that are going to be um, a little bit slower on the uptick next year. And so I think you're going to have to be very careful with what you do there. And, and again, I think that's the thing where, you know, maybe the Eagles go out there and, and hunt around in, in free agency. It's not a great wide receiver free agent class, but there's some guys. You know, there's a few guys out there that, uh, that would be a nice little fit in that spot. Yeah. Uh, 100% agree. And, uh, Jeff, one last question before I let you go and, uh, you know, have a good rest of the evening. Uh, do you think there's any validity on them potentially banning um, the way the Eagles do the cornerback sneak uh, going into next season? Uh, quarterback situation? Corn, corn, the quarterback sneak, the way the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, pushing the line. Oh, yeah. No, I think that's definitely coming. I think you're going to see – you know, and the only thing that hasn't happened yet is that somebody hasn't gotten injured doing it, right? But the first time a quarterback gets, you know, his, his leg basically torn off doing that move, that's when it ends. Now, will the NFL be preventative of it? Maybe. Uh, 
you know, the, the funny thing about it is for every team that, you know, you got to realize with the rules committee and these coaches and these, these GMs, well, they're the ones running the plays. So do you think the Eagles are going to vote against that? Hell no, they're not going to vote against that because <laughs> they run it better than anybody. So, of course. Now, again, are you going to have coaches that are going to, you know, like Nick Saban, you know, <laughs> bitching about, you know, the way college football and the, and the hurry-up offense and getting the substitution rule put in, right? So, of course, of course, um, you're going to have teams vote against it. You think the Cowboys won't be voting against it? Hell yeah, they'll be voting against it because they don't want the Eagles doing it, right? Of course. But, uh, again, I think what it's going to take and what it always takes to the league is a super reactive league. It's never a proactive league because Roger Goodell is a minion of the owners, and that's how it's set up, and unfortunately that's how it's going to be for a while. So, um, no, I don't think it'll be banned this offseason, but the first time that somebody gets hurt, it'll be banned. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, all it takes is whatever prevents the quarterback from getting any sort of injury, they'll definitely vote for. Right. Obviously, I mean, with with especially especially with the money that – I mean, especially with the money that Jalen Hurts is about to get, they don't want their $50 million dude getting in there, getting, you know, getting all messed up on that type of stuff. So, you know, that's, that's the thing about it is I think that that's, that's when you're going to see the change is it's going to be uh, after, after a major injury, which, you know, let's, let's all hope that doesn't happen. But, you know, it's, it's, just, the, it's just the way it is. And like I said, this, this league is it's reactive. I think we'll – talk next year about, you know, defensive holding and all of that stuff. I think we're going to talk about a whole lot of things that happened this year that sucked. And unfortunately, you know, you can't change the settings and, and uh, take Roger Goodell out as commissioner on Madden, you know, on, in real life like you can on Madden. So, Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, <clears throat> Jeff, once again, thanks for calling in, man. Tell the people again where they can find you at. Absolutely, man. At Sports Narrative on uh, – on the Twitter, and we are going to uh, be tweeting a whole lot. We got the uh, big, uh, big fight up the road here in Tulsa here in a couple of weeks. It's top rank, so we're going to be uh, making a little road trip up to Tulsa and uh, doing a little boxing coverage for you guys. So yes, uh, check it out at Sports Narrative on Twitter. And hey, man, Chris, good to hear from you, brother. Sorry about the Super Bowl, but we'll. Uh, hey, you going? To, are you going to Kansas City? Not anytime soon. <laughs> oh well, I mean for the draft. No. Oh well. All right. Huh. Well. Uh, nah, you know, I, I got. I got stuff. I got. I got other. I got other stuff that gotta get paid off first before I do any more. I hear you, man. <laughs> I hear you. Well, next year's in Detroit. Maybe we'll see you there. Oh, yeah, probably. All right, Jeff. Doc, take it easy. Together. All right, man. Be good. All right. <clears throat> Once again, you're listening to ninety-eight point five WJYN. They're running the back sports show, sports for the culture. If you want to call to join the discussion, that number is two one five seven six three nine five nine six, and. Yeah. <laughs> Never forget. Oh, man. And now we close the book on the 2023 NFL season. An amazing season to remember throughout the archives of NFL history. Hopefully, the 2022-2023 I mean season is now closed. Hopefully, the 23-24 season is just as good, if not better. Um, I'm just going to briefly talk about the NFL tra- NBA trade deadline real quick, and then I'm going to bounce off early, like making this an early show. I'm kind of losing my voice a little bit. 
The NBA trade deadline was last week. Obviously, we talked a little bit about it, about Kyrie going to now the Dallas Mavericks teaming up with Luka. And, but the biggest trade that has happened during the NBA season so far not only happened as soon as we got off the show, it happened while I was asleep. It happened at 3 o'clock in the morning, my time, 12 p.m. Pacific over there in Phoenix. It's now Kevin Durant is now Phoenix Sun. And I am ecstatic. Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton. Still think we should have traded DeAndre Ayton. But, yes, but that that's the big four over there in Phoenix. And not to mention they've made a healthy addition into acquiring Terrence Ross. Um, you know, via the buyout market as well. I would love for them to honestly get Stanley Johnson also back in uh, – I love for them to also acquire Stanley Johnson, uh, who was just released from the Spurs as well. Uh, Stanley Johnson, six-day guard, very versatile defender, shooting forty-five percent from three um, this season. Be a healthy addition coming off the bench. <coughs> but yes, um, but honestly, like. And I'm just going to say this. Everybody's talking about trying to pencil their team. Oh, Phoenix is going to the finals. Phoenix is going to the finals. Let's calm down on that. We haven't. Kevin Durant hasn't stepped on the court yet to play for this team yet. Let's take a break on that. If Kevin Durant, if everybody stays healthy, that means particularly Durant, Chris Paul stay healthy, then then this is probably the team to beat in the Western Conference. Um, you still got to give your props to the Denver Nuggets. The cohesion and coaching matters. Like, obviously, Jokic is on another MVP campaign. Jamal Murray is healthy. Michael Porter Jr. is healthy. Eric Gordon is taking the next step. They acquired Reggie Jackson, acquired for the buyout as well. Hopefully, he'll get a lot more integrated post-All-Star break. They're probably the deepest team in the West. Obviously, you still got to worry about eventually Kyrie and Luka will eventually figure that out as well. Now you got the brand new, new looking New York um, LA Lakers who are still trying to compete for a play in for a play in spot. So, but as far as the Sixers, the Sixers only made one trade throughout uh, one trade and one significant move uh, before the trade deadline happened. And that was the addition of Jalen McDaniels from the Charlotte Hornets, which also sent Tyrese, uh, not Tyrese, uh, Matisse Thibel, two-time All-NBA defender, over to Portland, who had a really good game last night, scoring 14 points, 4-6 from downtown. And everybody's talking about how much we missed him. Guys, it's just one game. Relax. But I do like the addition of Jalen McDaniels and what I've been seeing so far. Six foot eight. Versatile defender, athletic, can run the floor. Pretty much everything you kind of need to operate and be successful in today's NBA game. I want to see a little bit more minutes from him. I think we saw him go against 28 minutes, unfortunately, um, last night. But I also had a lot to do with the injury of P.J. Tucker. But, and we also officially signed that. Backup center Dwayne Dedman via the buyout market from the Miami Heat. And everybody's talking about, oh, man, he's such a negative one. I'm like, guys, we just need a body. 
Chalabee is going to play 38 to 40 minutes in the playoffs. We just need somebody just to be on the court, just put his hands up for like four to six, four to five minutes at a time. Yeah, and that's more than likely just throughout the second court, start of the second and the start of the fourth. But I don't know. I To me, I kind of understand what the Sixers are doing. De'Anthony Melton is still in the starting lineup because he goes a lot better fit-wise and defensively-wise with Harding. Tyrese Maxey is now flourishing coming ever since coming off the injury off the bench. But the main thing is that they got to figure out this Tobias Harris situation. And I feel like this conversation definitely rears his ugly head every single time the trade deadline passes. Tobias Harris just has a tough time finding himself. I, in a way, I just kind of hope that this is last year. At this point, you got to take pennies on the dollar on him this summer during his last season. And you just got to build a much better a better three and D personnel and supporting cast around Harden, Maxi, and Embiid. That's if Harden decides if he wants to continue to stay here long term. But still, this is. But, but now, but the trade deadline obviously it definitely helped the Western Conference a lot better because. At that point, it looked like the Nuggets were going to run away. Now with Kevin Durant in Phoenix, Kyrie in Dallas, the matchups now are going to be a lot more interesting to watch in the West. And obviously, we have the Eastern Conference. Obviously, the cream of the crop is obviously Boston and Milwaukee, who are are both playing each other again today. Then it's everybody else. So, at this point, I'm looking forward to... The NBA playoffs, and I'm looking for this All-Star break to just come and go because at this point, there's nothing exciting about an NBA All-Star break. Nothing. It's a slam dunk contest with a bunch of with a bunch of G leaguers, G leaguers, young rookies, and unknowns, and the All-Star game, an All-Star game of itself, just just used to be a shell of what it used to be. So. That's what I'm looking forward to over these next two months. Oh, my God. I already miss football. But the NBA playoffs is definitely going to shape up to be another fun one to watch. And I'm looking forward to it. And once again, I'm going to end the show a little bit early today. Uh, I feel like I'm losing my voice, to be honest, guys. So... Once again, you've been listening to 98.5 WJYN, the running back sports show, sports for the culture, uh, 98.5 FM WJYN. Once again, this has been Chris Thomas, and you've been listening to the running back sports show, sports for the culture. Until next time, we will see you later.